0: Mac Power Users, episode 40. Which Mac for you? Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd. Along with me is David Sparks. Happy holidays, David.
1: And the same to you, Katie. I'm looking forward to Christmas. How about yourself?
0: Uh, it's that time of year. Things are busy. The tree is up. The lights are up, and um, got a lot of things to get done in this next couple of of weeks. But this show is actually going to release right around uh, Christmas time. So, Merry Christmas to uh, all of our listeners who celebrate. Yes. And, uh, Happy New Year, because I, I think our next show doesn't come out until 2011. Yeah. So, I think I would just like to take this opportunity to say thank you to everybody for making this such a great year for the Mac Power users.
1: Yeah, it was. And it's just, you know, it's amazing how many listeners we have and how many smart people we have uh, adding comments to the site and uh, all the neat people we've met this year. I'm very thankful for uh, everything that Mac Power Users has, has brought to my life.
0: Right um, And just as a side note, I, I, I don't know if maybe it's just the holiday spirit and everybody, but I, I have noticed that we've, we've had a couple more links come in from um, that little donation button on the, on the website, and I just want to say a very special thank you to, uh, to everyone who's, who's contributed to that. so both, uh, both at this time of year and, and always, we, we certainly appreciate that.
1: We certainly so. do. So so we've been talking about uh, doing a show for a while about, you know, which Mac do you buy? And uh, we've had a lot of people writing and asking us for advice. So we thought, why not? Let's just do a show on it. And it's kind of an interesting question, I think, because a lot of people, uh, not necessarily the listeners of the show, but most, you know, mere mortals out there, uh, they have a lot of trouble with buying a computer. Um, And to some extent... Uh, I think you know the the computer industry has let us down because it it is so complicated. you know, you walk into a computer store and they start talking about gigahertz and RAM and clock cycles and pixels, and you know it's like you know what the hell does all this stuff mean? You know that's what most people think when they walk in there. they just want a computer
0: and unfortunately most time the the spec that people look at most is the price tag, which is you know, not necessarily going to help. Them.
1: So the thing is, it's almost like, you know, when you go buy a car or some complicated bit of machinery, you need someone help. Well, it's the same thing for computers. You need almost a translator with you when you go into these stores. And Apple does a pretty good job of avoiding that problem by just having a few models and it's easier to distinguish, whereas you go to some computer companies, there's like a hundred models to pick from. But you still it's just not right that you should need to have someone with you to help you buy one of these. You know, you're a grown adult. Uh, you can take care of yourself, but then when you need to uh, buy a computer, you know, all of a sudden you need help. Um, so the people in this show, I think listening to this show are probably that person that gets the call. So what we thought we'd do is just share some of our thoughts about, you know, what are the right max and what are the pluses and minuses for the various models.
0: Because keep in mind, what's the right Mac for you and what you may be inclined to buy for yourself is not necessarily the right Mac for everybody, and especially when you're helping others buy, it's important to keep their needs in mind. Okay, so the first question you have to ask yourself is laptop versus desktop. Um, And I made this decision a long time ago. Um, You didn't have a choice for a long time because laptops just either weren't powerful enough or were overly expensive or weren't available, but... Back I think, in two thousand and one, when the original titanium power book uh, came out, I made the switch over to a laptop being my primary machine, and I never looked back and the The big thing for me is I just I needed a Mac that I could take with me all sorts of places. I was in college at the time and I was taking my Mac with me to class and was using it just about everywhere and back then, you know syncing options weren't as good as they are now and I've just really liked the idea of having one primary machine, and because I've always needed a laptop, I've never been able to go desktop only, Uh, my primary machine has always been a laptop. So uh, portability, obviously, if you need the portability, laptop is the obvious choice, but... I, I tell people to really think hard about this one because everybody says, oh, yes, I, I want a laptop because I want to use it on the sofa or I want to be able to use it outside or, or or whatnot. But I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of extra money buying laptops when, in fact, they just end up leaving it sitting on their desk. And they've they've really ended up wasting a lot of money. And, in fact, they, they could have gotten a much faster or a much more powerful desktop machine for the same money.
1: Yeah, well, the, the thing is also, if you're in that those shoes, you're also giving up all that great screen real estate. I mean, if you go with an iMac instead of a laptop, you're, you're giving up a lot more than just the portability function, because the the iMac is built to be on a desk, and it has a lot of advantages. It's got built-in speakers, it's got a bigger screen. So, if you're going to be using it on a desktop, then get a desktop computer. Right.
0: The, um, and then also, you know, we alluded to this, but the, the specs between a laptop and a desktop, the, the laptop line tends to lag the desktop line, especially the pro desktop line, in terms of, of specs. You can get a lot more horsepower and a lot more bang for the buck with a desktop versus a laptop.
1: Yes, but you know when you were talking about uh, laptops, that's a relatively new term. They used to be called portable computers because they really weren't laptops. I mean, those first compacts looked like um, – and I was lucky you were carrying like a bomb or something. The thing was huge. <laughs> uh, my favorite old laptop, if I can go down memory lane for a minute, was I had this computer I got from Radio Shack. It was called the Tandy uh, WP100. And uh, I still have it around here somewhere. I gave it to my kids a few years ago. But it's it was just a keyboard with uh, like five lines of LED um, or I'm sorry, LCD, Liquid Crystal Display Text, and you would just type text in it. I got all through law school on that. I would take notes on the thing, then you'd go back to the house and you could plug it into your Mac or whatever and download the text file. But uh, now it's not like that anymore. Now you get a laptop, and it's nearly as powerful as a desktop computer. And you know, even just the basic-level MacBook could run circles around what used to be a, a Mac Pro or a Power Mac just a few years ago.
0: And I guess we should also – I'm going to use the term laptop because that's the term that I've I've used for years. But they say now that they're actually notebook computers, not laptop computers because you're not supposed to put them on your lap because they get so
1: toasty. Well, and also an important point if you use a laptop is a lot of times, and especially on the current line of Macs, the ventilation is the back where that hinges. And if right. you put it on your lap or if you lay it on the bed sheet or whatever and you block that – Uh, it's not good for your computer because it's not going to get proper ventilation. So get something flat to put on your lap if you're going to use it that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So we've kind of covered the differences between laptops and desktops. I think we'll start with the laptops and go through them and talk about the advantages and disadvantages of each of the line.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Um, First off, obviously the, the low end or the, well, I don't even know if you can call it the low end, but the first in line on the, on the, Laptop section is the MacBook. Um, There used to be a couple of version MacBooks, but Apple, as of at least the date that we're recording this, has really streamlined the MacBook. It still has that uh, polycarbonate, plasticky shell and appearance so that it looks very different from the Pro Portable line. It's got, you know, you can, at first glance, you can tell if someone's using a MacBook or a MacBook Pro, and I think Apple wants to very clearly delineate between the two lines but there are not a lot of options between uh when you go with a macbook you can if you order from the apple store you can certainly bump up the ram and and, and bump up the hard drive a bit uh, if you're if you're custom configuring on the online store uh, but otherwise it comes in just one stock configuration
1: you know of all the computers i recommend people buy this is by far the most frequent recommendation i give Why is that? Well, I just think that for most people, this is a fine computer. It's got a great display. You know, it used to have a different display than the MacBook Pro line, which I thought was reason to upgrade because the the old displays weren't as good as these new LED displays, but it's got that now. It's got a 10-hour battery life. If you're a person who's on the web uh, writing some documents, managing your your photos and iPhoto, uh, you know, this is just fine. You know and it's 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 under a thousand dollars, and you know for most people, I think this is by one dollar well it's still i mean it's under a thousand dollars and for most people, this is plenty of computer. I know it's easy to say and later in the show we'll be talking about well, for just two hundred dollars more, you can update it to a macbook pro, but two hundred dollars is a lot of money and mm-hmm. um uh if you don't need that extra power i I think the Macbook is a good computer i mean i've got we bought one for my wife several years ago um she uh, she graduated to a new computer, and now we've my daughter's using that MacBook, and it's still running like a champ. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of this line.
0: The the one limitation of the MacBook, and depending on who you are and who you're talking to, can be the screen size. I've had a lot of people tell me that. You know processor speed is fine i'll I'll never use the power that the MacBook you know I'll never need that much power, but I can't deal with a thirteen inch screen size now, I personally think the smaller the better I like a small laptop because I like to me portability is king but a lot of folks you know for example, my mother simply doesn't want to use a thirteen inch uh, laptop display and she really wants to use her laptop as a laptop. She's not going to connect it, you know, most of the time to an external display on her desk. So, you know, in a case like hers, she actually had to go up and spend a little more money on, on stuff she really didn't need just to get a bigger screen.
1: Yeah. Another disadvantage of the the, the basic MacBook line is there's no firewire, uh, but that's a nerd thing. I mean, a lot of people you'll say, well, there's no firewire and their eyes will glaze over and they'll have no idea what you're talking about.
0: I think this is becoming less and less of an issue. It you know it used to be a big issue with video cameras and sometimes with hard drives, but USB 2.0 has pushed this by the wayside. How often now do you? you I understand that for constant throughput speeds, FireWire 800 is still faster than USB 2.0, and for short bursts, USB 2.0 is arguably faster. But USB 2.0 seems to be the standard, and it, it's it's really a, a custom item now that that has FireWire. Eight hundred. It's it's not something that you're going to go buy standard, you know, at your local Best Buy or something.
1: Yeah, I hope Apple gets on board with USB 3.0 soon, though, because once that comes in, it'll be no longer an issue because the USB 3.0 standard, which is out there and now you can buy drives for it and other accessories, uh, is much faster than anything FireWire has to offer currently. So hopefully Apple will get there. But for the meantime, uh, for some people, that's a big deal. If like some video people, you need the FireWire port to get in to download your video, but you know, anymore, you know, people are shooting video on their iPhones or they're shooting it on these flip cameras that have a USB connector built into it. It's it's less and less of an issue, Uh, but that's something to consider. Uh, But you know, generally, I think the ideal user for the MacBook is a normal computer user. You know, someone who's Mm -hmm. not really pushing it to the limits. Uh, but someone who wants to be able to have a laptop they can rely upon that 's not going to you know break the piggy bank entirely, and you know you open the lid and you you go with it and i uh like i said i 've set up probably more of these for people than any other computer, and everybody just loves them they just go forever
0: um I think it 's an ideal laptop for a student you know it's it's probably that 's probably one of the target market markets for apple is that it 's ideal laptop a student, because if they lose it or if they ding it up or whatever, you know, it's, it's not that you've, you've spent a ton of money on a new MacBook Pro. The only problem with that is that, you know, uh, some of the younger folks are really into gaming and with that, that lower end uh, NVIDIA graphics processor, which is still a huge step up from some of the previous processors they've had in there, they're probably not going to be able, or well, they're going to be able to, but they may not be thrilled with the gaming performance on a machine like this.
1: Yeah, but if I'm sending a kid off to college, uh, a, a, comu- you a computer that doesn't play games very well is almost a selling point for me. <laughs> there you go. Well, if, but, you know, some people want to go up beyond the MacBook, and for that, Apple has the MacBook Pro line. And uh, right. that starts at, at $1,200 uh, with the 13 inch MacBook Pro. Uh, I like the way Apple has done this MacBook Pro line because there's there's just a few qu- decisions you need to make when you decide you want to go with a MacBook Pro. There's the first one is the screen size. They have the 13, the 15, and the 17, and then after that you so- decide do you want the, the fast one or the slow one? Or I guess I wouldn't be the fa- slow. One. I guess it would say the uh, the the standard loadout or the super loadout because they're all pretty fast. Um, And so the first question I would ask is, you know, which monitor, which size do you want? And like, for instance, I know you really have a strong opinion about that. You really like the 13.
0: I do. However, keep in mind that even going with the higher end 13, you know, the Um, 2.66, you're you're still getting, well, currently 2.66. I hate to get too much into the specs because I know a lot of people listen to these podcasts after the fact and – you know, the specs change, but, you know, even going with the higher end 13-inch, you're you're typically sacrificing some features that would otherwise be found on the mid-range 15-inch machines that's, you know, so.
1: Yeah, the 13-inch uh, the MacBook Pro is kind of like the ugly stepsister, right? You know, it doesn't seem like it always gets the...
0: It's gotten better. Uh,
1: it seems like, though, like the graphics card is usually not quite as good. And some of those other things, but you know, it's a smaller, it's a smaller device, and they got to get all that stuff in there. I think it's really just a limitation of size. And,
0: uh, right? They've they've usually gone with the last generation processors. You know, for example, the Core Two Duos versus the Core i5s, and and usually it's been the the same graphics processor and the you know same although higher clock speed, the same processor and the same graphics processor as the MacBook Pros, or as the MacBooks.
1: And I would suspect that also has something to do with the heat and battery life, because in that I'm smaller sure. unit. But, you know, the question of what you want in terms of size is really a personal thing, and I would just recommend uh, going into the Apple Store and looking at the three of them. and um, Over the years, I've played with all of them. I can tell you that the the 17-inch uh, I had that was one of my first Macs, and um, when I came back into the fold, and it was just too big for me. It was like a battleship.
0: That's a big jump back into the fold. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I just decided, you know, once they went to the Intel, then I was back in the game, you know. But the 17-inch uh, was too big. It was like a battleship. I mean, it, when you carry it around, it was heavy. Uh, even just getting it out, like you'd have to have the right size desk to put it on. And I know some people who love and swear by the 17-inch, but for me, it's just too much.
0: Yeah, 15-inch seems to be a happy medium for a lot of people. Like I said, especially, um, there are a lot of people I know who, if you tell them, you know, I've asked a lot of people who say, I want to buy a Mac, which Mac should I buy? And one of my first questions is, well, you need to think about the screen size. You know, first desktop versus laptop, and then most of the time they say laptop because most people want laptops. And then I say, okay, well, let's talk about screen size 13, 15, or 17. And they think about that for a minute and they say, well, you know, kind of like Goldilocks, well, 17 is really too big and 13 is really too small, but, you know, 15 might be just right.
1: And I think a lot of people do that. I mean, there's a lot of people who are big fans of the 15 inch MacBook Pro, it's a nice computer.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely a nice computer. I think it's gotten a lot nicer now that you've got this this solid unibody construction. Um, when you when you make the jump to the 15 and the 17, but when you make the jump up to the 15 inch line, you, you do get some more features. You also you make a jump up in price. You know, for example, the high end 13 inches is fifty about. You know, it's 14.99, and then it's up to 17.99 for the low and 15 inch. But you you do get a bump up in the processor, and you also do get a bump up in the graphics. Uh, And you're not only getting one graphics processor, but you're also getting two.
1: Yeah. The uh, one thing that we haven't really talked about with respect to any of these laptops is upgradability. You know, what can you do to upgrade them after you buy them? Uh, Generally, the processor you get is the processor you keep. Uh, You know, these things are hardwired in. But the uh, two things that you can easily upgrade on the current MacBook and MacBook Pros is the RAM and the hard drive. And they make it really easy to access, or relatively easy, um, to get in there and change them. I don't know for certain if it's an approved, um, for a user to upgrade the RAM and the hard drive and the new, uh, I guess, Unibody MacBook Pros, because you actually have to take off the bottom panel.
0: It is. I did it on my 13-inch, and I think the policy is, is so long as you don't break anything else as you go in. It's actually in the user manual how to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's,
1: it's very easy. And the other thing I'd recommend, if you're ever going to do it, um, go on YouTube and just look it up. Because
0: or actually, OWC, other World Computing at MaxSales.com has some great install videos. Yeah, it's,
1: it's really an easy repair if you're at all comfortable with these things. You take out eight screws and lift off the panel, and you swap out the drive. I've done it a lot of times, and uh, the RAM is the same way, uh, but that's really it. you know you're not going to be able to upgrade much else in these things i mean the the graphics card is basically built into the system. you're never going to get that upgraded the ram i'm sorry the uh the actual processor is built in, so the only things you can upgrade are the RAM and the hard drive, so make sure the other pieces are in place, even to the extent if you want a faster processor. But want to save money, maybe you get the faster processor, but keep the the smaller hard drive, and then you can always upgrade that later when, you know, you hit the lotto. (laughs) Um,
0: Now, the one kind of exception to that is the 17-inch, because the 17-inch has kept the Express Card 34 slot. And although you're not upgrading the internals of the machine, that Express Card 34 slot does give you some options for example with that slot you know you can add usb 3.0 ports you can add uh, you know honestly i think a lot of people use it to add an sd card slot but you can add usb 3.0 ports you can add additional firewire ports you can add um, additional accessories so i know you know many high-end people um, who are using the their notebooks for specialized purposes have specifically gone with that 17 inch model so that they've got the the access to that express card slot.:
1: I think many high-end people are upset that the, the only Mac they can get that on is the 17-inch, but
0: yeah, there was, there was some, some outcry when that happened. But I do understand why Apple did it. Let's, let's go back and let's talk a little bit about the differences, maybe, because they're so close between the 13-inch MacBook and the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Um, obviously, you're taking either a 200 um, or a $500 price jump between the macbook and the macbook pro and what are you getting for that extra money
1: well you get extra memory you get a firewire port you get a better video processor and you get the aluminum construction
0: well actually they have the same video processor right now oh, do they mm-hmm. well so yeah so it's it's kind of taken one bit uh barrier from entry um, the higher end 13-inch does have a little bit bigger hard drive, but the lower end 13-inch has the same hard drive. Uh, but they both have the built-in battery, so it's you're really talking. The one thing that I didn't notice is you um, the 13-inch uh, MacBook doesn't have an IR port anymore.
1: Oh, it doesn't. Mm-mm.
0: I don't know really what you use that for. If you're maybe if you're giving presentations or you want to use it for front row or something like that. Yeah. So you get the IR port. Uh, you get the backlit keyboard, which I like. I, I really liked the backlit keyboard, although I'm a touch typist, so I guess I didn't really need the backlit keyboard. Uh, and the FireWire. And a little boost in the memory, although, like we said, the, the memory is probably a fairly inexpensive upgrade that's you, know, you could probably do for not quite 200 bucks elsewhere.
1: I just bought uh, four gigabytes for a Christmas present. My nephew wants to be able to run Windows on his Mac because of his school. So he has one gigabyte, so I think he needs four. And I just bought it from OWC, and with shipping and everything, it was like 90 bucks. Oh, well, there yeah, you go. So it's not that bad. Okay, well, I still am a fan of the basic MacBook. Don't overlook it. It's easy to do so. Uh, I think there's a certain degree of vanity in it. You want the Pro, right? You know, hey, I'm a pro. I want the Pro. And uh, <laughs> you just look at it. But, <laughs> I mean, I used a MacBook for a long time. I'm now using a, a MacBook Air, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes.
0: Well, and Apple has made it very easy for the vanity, too, because it's easy to tell. You know, you got that white versus that silver. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like back when they had the white MacBooks and the black MacBooks, yeah. and the only thing different was a 50-gig bump in the hard drive for 200 bucks. But it was black. But it was black. Yeah, yeah I paid that 200 bucks. Did you? I think, they call, I think they called it the black tax back at the yeah. point. Well, this may be a good time to uh, take a break and let's hear from our first sponsor, Smile.
1: Well, Smile has had some good news recently about Text Expander.
0: That's right. Congratulations to Smile. Not only did Text Expander 3 win an Eddie Award, which is kind of like the Academy Awards of Mac software, but Text Expander Touch also won a 2010 App Gem Award for Utility of the Year. So they've had a pretty awesome month.
1: Yeah, you know Text Expander Touch—the way it works with all the other applications on the iOS that you know that embrace it—it's the only app that I know that does that. You know that that actually can work with other applications.
0: So Text Expander Touch is a utility that runs both on the iPad, the iPhone, and the iPod Touch. And it will sync with Text Expander if you have it installed on your Mac, although it can be a standalone app too. But it also has a developer kit. And like David said, it's the first app that I know of that has a developer kit that Smile gives away the code for free to other developers. And you create um, snippets of text that you then create abbreviations for. And once you type these abbreviations uh, in these supported programs, they will expand instantly into larger blocks of text. Now, if you want to use these same snippets and programs that don't support it, for example, Apple Mail, you can also expand your snippets in Text Expander and then send those expanded snippets either to Apple Mail, uh, to the clipboard, or um, to the uh, SMS or the text program.
1: You know, I've been using Text Expander so long on my Mac and my iOS and now on my PC with the Brevi application that reads the Text Expander library that I think in snippets now. <laughs> you know, I don't think about, you know, I send a, when I want to act my uh, my legal signature to an email, I don't think uh, of all that. I type WSIG, you know, WorkSig, and, you know, it just pops out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a great app. And, and then iOS in particular with all these great, um, text edit utilities coming out. Most of them are using Text Expander. And for, in fact, for me, if it doesn't support Text Expander, I'm not interested.
0: Right. Text Expander three, which won the Eddie Award, also um, introduced a slew of new features, including my favorite, probably, which are fill-in snippets, which means that you can incorporate user input uh, into your snippet. So you can have multiple blank fields into a snippet where you can say, "Dear blank, thank you so much for giving me blank for Christmas. I'll use it to do blank." love katie not that i would do that
1: of course not no well thank you uh smile for supporting the podcast and i encourage everyone who hasn't to go out and give text expander a try it will change the way you write
0: you can find all of their software over at smilesoftware.com
1: okay so we've covered uh at least basically the macbook pros and the and the macbooks let's talk about the uh, sexy new model
0: Yeah, we've got a lot to say about the MacBook Air.
1: Okay, you go first.
0: Okay, well, I bought one. And this was a leap of faith for me. Um, I guess we should talk a little bit about it. The MacBook Airs were recently uh, redesigned and redone, and I just could not resist the temptation. There are two basic lines of MacBook Airs. There's an 11-inch model and a 13-inch model. They start at $9.99 and go all the way up to $15.99, although with build-to-order options, you can get them up significantly higher than that. Believe me, I know. Um, but it, they range from everything from a, a Netbook competitor to, I think, a desktop replacement. At least that's how I'm using mine.
1: Yeah, so, so Steve announced these new MacBook Airs and... I was intrigued, but I wasn't sure. Intrigued. Yeah, I okay. was. I mean, I was I was interested in maybe getting one, but I wasn't sure, you know. Okay. At the time I was using a relatively new MacBook Pro 15-inch. Um, but I really I had the original MacBook Air and I really liked it except, you know, like a lot of people with that original MacBook Air, it just really wasn't quite enough for what I was doing because I was doing some work in Aperture. And I have um, I like to do music on the side, and I I was trying to run some music software on it, and I think in hindsight, the problem with the original MacBook Air for me wasn't necessarily the two gigabytes of RAM, which is not very much, but it was it was that dog slow hard drive they put in this thing. It was forty two forty two hundred, yeah, it was forty two hundred RPM hard drive. I think it was the hard drive they use in the the old iPod Classic, you know, and it just was so slow and it, it just really gotten away when you're like trying to record MIDI tracks and you've got, you know, multiple tracks going and it just, it, it just was not acceptable uh, to the extent it was getting in a way, you know, you want to get as much computers you need, but you don't want to get too much, but the same thing goes the opposite direction. You don't want to get too little. And so the MacBook air was just too little. And, and I, my sister actually needed something really light because she travels a lot. And she, uh, so I sold it to her for a good price and, and switched over to the macbook pro but uh, i really always liked that macbook air how light it was and easy to carry around and it just slipped right in your briefcase so when they came out the new one i started thinking maybe i need to uh to revisit them and i did and uh, uh i couldn't resist you know i went in and played with it and I ended up buying one <laughs>
0: um well there's a wide span on the MacBook Air. I think there's there's maybe a wider span on the MacBook Airs than there are across, uh, I would argue, maybe any of the other laptop lines. Because you've got the 11-inch, which is the mm, – I, I hesitate to say this, but perhaps spec-wise, the slowest and smallest and less-featured – least-featured – computer on apple 's line, although I got to tell you with that flash storage, it is crazy fast um, all the way up to a thirteen inch um, that's I am using as a desktop replacement, so this eleven inch comes with um, you know a very small hard drive sixty four gigabytes is is what they started off with, and only two gigabytes of RAM. And that's going to be hard to be anything other than a supplemental computer for someone and it's it's really an i think a netbook competitor, although it really doesn't have any of the downsides of a netbook it's it's got flash storage, so it is screaming fast it's instant on you know your apps launch very quickly but yet with sixty four gigabytes it's it, you know it's probably not enough to hold all of your documents and files but enough to hold what you need. And then it goes up the line from there. Like we said, you can get an 11 inch with 128 gigs, or a 13 inch, and, and you know all the way up from there.
1: Well, and, well, let's just be clear ahead. though. I mean, it's it's, the, it's the, a thousand bucks. The basic bucks. one. I mean, you could buy probably four netbooks for the price of one 11 inch MacBook Air. I mean, but
0: here's here's my question: Does anybody enjoy using a netbook?
1: Well, I don't like them. I wrote it up. I mean, somebody loaned me one with a Mac OS X installed on it two or three years ago, and I wrote it up at Mac Sparky, and I got tons of like feedback and you know all these terrible comments about how I'm on Apple's payroll and everything. But my conclusion was, I mean, the keyboard didn't fit my hands. The screen was too small, and um, it just wasn't an acceptable computing experience for me. I'm, I'm probably pretty particular about it, but I type and write a lot, but... I don't want my hands to cramp and I want to be able to see the whole screen. Um, the, um, you know, I have a friend that just bought a a netbook and she was all happy about it like two months ago. And then she came over and the M key has already fallen off and the screen hinges are already failing. And, you know, she's going to end up getting probably a MacBook air because, you know, it's just, it was just a waste of money. So I,
0: well, if you have to buy four of them, the amount of time you buy one MacBook Air, there you
1: go. Yeah, it, it is a lot cheaper. So it just depends. I mean, if you like using Mac OS X, I think it's a great experience. I, I seriously considered buying one of these 11 inches. It was a tough decision for me. U- mm-hmm. Ultimately, because of my past experience, and I knew I wanted to run Logic and I needed an extra hard drive space, I ended up going with 13-inch. but. Um, part of me wishes I'd bought the 11 because I, it's just so small and I love that, that compact portability. Right.
0: I ended up buying the 13 inch. I also opted, I, I both, I I really decked it out. I, um, I bought the 13 inch 256 gigabyte model and then also opted to double up the Ram and increase the processor speed. Um, so I think I've got a 2.16 gigahertz processor and a four, four gigabytes of memory. And you had strongly recommended, David, that get that memory upgraded while you can because there's absolutely no upgrade path for the memory later.
1: Yeah, with the MacBook Air, you can only get the memory when you buy it. So you either get two gigabytes, which is what you get if you walk in the Apple store, or four if you order it, built to order. And the four gigabyte I think is important when I use my – uh, MacBook air before it had two gigabyte and I was constantly seeing it page out to disc, you know, because it would mm-hmm. run out of Ram. I mean, I run pretty big, uh, keynote presentations on it and, uh, I've always got a lot going on. I, I do uh, voice dictation software all the time and that uses a lot of Ram. So it's easy to, to hit that two gigabyte ceiling pretty quickly. If you're and
0: just a a quick point David I've actually got a friend who works at the Apple store and they said that Apple is sending them multiple configurations so you may want to call because a friend of mine walked into the Apple store and was able to get a a, a 4 gigabyte of memory in a in an upgraded processor MacBook Pro oh, good. or MacBook Air so it's yeah. it's
1: easier now yeah
0: yeah apparently because there's so few SKUs they're they're sending them various configurations
1: yeah well i i would get in my opinion i would it's 100 bucks extra to to double the memory and you can only do it when you buy it. So whether you're buying an 11 or a 13, I would recommend that you up upgrade the memory. Because, you know, I always like to think about computers as a three-year investment. You know, the AppleCare seems to work out just right for that. So when I buy a Mac, I like to keep it until there's, you know, three or four months left on the Apple Care, and then sell it. So the new buyer has a chance to get anything taken care of before it goes off Apple Care. And so, you know, two gigabytes of memory while you might be able to get by with it now in two and a half years will you be able to get by with it and the answer is probably not right uh, now you had said earlier about the thir- the high-end 13 inch being a p- potential desktop replacement yep and uh you know that's i'm not so sure i, I guess it could be i mean you're doing it so obviously it can't doing it but you know it's also even the fully decked out you know most expensive macbook air which is around 1900 bucks you know out the door has what a two point one six gigahertz processor. I, I, I mean, I didn't want to get into those details in the show, but it, it yeah. it's less powerful than the thousand dollar MacBook.
0: Well, let me let me explain that because I know I'm going to get a lot of comments about that. So let me try to stave off some of them here. Um, I but like I said, I've always been the type of person. I've always been a one household, one Mac household, and I I like having one primary Mac as my main machine. And it just, you know, even though syncing and all has gotten easier now, it just it get, gets rid of a lot of those headaches to have one Mac as your primary machine. And that was my biggest concern with moving to the MacBook Air is I was really craving something smaller and lighter. Even though I had a 13-inch MacBook Pro in the past, I was finding that I was slipping into that um, category of person who just let that Mac sit on the desk. I was using my iPad more and more for everything, and I have very seldom took my Mac away from my desk and I miss my Mac. Um, I miss doing things in Mac OS 10. And that has changed dramatically with the 13 inch. I'm taking it everywhere. So that's been a, a great positive. But one of the things that I accepted when I bought the 13 inch is that it probably was not going to have the horsepower, to be a primary machine, I mean, heck, I'm Katie Floyd. I do a podcast called Mac Power Users. You know, yeah. people kind of expect me to have a high end machine. So, you know, with the, with the holidays and the finances and all that stuff, I I pretty much said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an experiment of this. I'm gonna use the MacBook Air as my primary machine for the next couple of months, with the full expectation that you know, maybe come February or so of next year, hopefully about the time they do an iMac refresh. Um, I'll probably end up also getting a you know twenty four high end twenty four or a high end twenty seven inch iMac to complement this because I just don't think the air is going to be enough horsepower for everything I do. Um, and you know, it's just going to kind of wait and see.
1: So, what's your experience been so far?
0: I've been blown away. Um, everything that I do on the MacBook Air has been faster. Now, I expected the daily things that I do, like checking email and web browsing, and Safari and word processing and things like that to be faster. It's instant on, the restart is faster, the applications launch instantly, there's no bounces. So I expected that. Um, But what I didn't expect to be faster would be everything else. Um, You know, editing the podcast, for example, is one of the more intensive things that I do. You know, that export process that goes through multiple conversions and things like that. And that's a fair amount faster. On a MacBook Air. It's certainly no slower than it was on my 2.5 gigahertz MacBook Pro.
1: Yeah. And so you're on a slower processor, but it's happening faster. And we all know the reason yeah. for that.
0: Yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that the um, the SSD drive, the solid state, um, and the MacBook Air is really something special. It it seems faster than one because my old MacBook had an SSD in it as well, but it was a couple years old. And I suspect that the technology has gotten a lot better. Well, we know it's gotten better. But I also think Apple has kind of optimized it with these MacBook Airs with the way everything's cooked together. And they haven't really said much about it, but I I strongly suspect that's the case because the 13-inch screams. And it's definitely a slower processor uh, than my prior computer. Unicorn tears? maybe that's it i don't know but it's it's something special and i'm sure that this isn't the end of this um my guess is that the future macbook pros are also going to have this kind of integration with this ssd and we're going to see some really cool stuff coming down the road
0: so who is a macbook air for who's the who's going to be buying a more expensive less featured on paper computer
1: well i i think the first concern that you have to have if you want to spend the extra money on a MacBook Air cuz you know i almost could have bought two MacBooks for the amount i paid for this fully loaded MacBook Air is weight and size i mean why would you pay that much extra for something that's just um that's slightly less powerful except for the ssd of course um cuz i for instance i could have bought uh for the money i paid on this MacBook Air i could have bought the basic MacBook with one of those owc um SSDs and still saved a bunch of money.
0: Right.
1: And uh, had more RAM and more hard drive and all that. But uh, I think it's the weight and the size. And for me, um, maybe I'm trying to justify it, but it really makes a difference because I compute on the road a lot. And having my computer slide into my briefcase is really nice. And I didn't really talk earlier when you're talking about laptop versus desktop, but I'm fortunate enough that I do have two computers. You know, we have basically a a 24 inch iMac that's kind of the family, uh, computer, but you know, it's also primarily mine. And so when I'm at home, I have this big luxurious screen to work on. And, uh, then when I'm on the road or, you know, downstairs or whatever, uh, I have this little laptop and I love having a little tiny laptop. So I'm, I don't see myself leaving the MacBook airline anytime soon. They, I think they kind of sorted out the big problems I had with the first generation and, uh, I'm in
0: yeah for the amount of money that I paid I did sell my MacBook Pro and and for the amount of money that I ended up paying in total to upgrade to the MacBook Air um, was I could have bought you know a comparable size OWC SSD and put it in my MacBook Pro and still saved a little bit of money and had a faster processor had a firewire port you know had a had an optical drive had all these other things and I I really had some second thoughts for a while thinking, gosh, would that have been the better way to go? I still would have had a 13-inch computer. I would have had an SSD, but I would have had FireWire. I would have had a faster processor. I would have had an optical drive. I would have had all these other things. Should I have done that? Um, And and the answer that I ultimately came up with is that, no, I I made the better choice because – for me, I'm using this MacBook Air so much more. Maybe some of that's the newness, but I'm taking it everywhere. I'm taking it up to the bedroom. I'm taking it outside to the terrace. I'm taking it you know, to the office. I'm taking it everywhere where I just didn't take the, the other one.
1: Yeah. So. I had a kind of funny experience because I decided to leave the decision as to whether to get the MacBook Air to fate. I put the, uh, the MacBook Pro on Craigslist for uh, $50 more than the cost of the MacBook Air I decided I wanted. And I just said, I'm not going to negotiate on the price, and if I get it, then I'll switch switch to the Air, and if not, I'll stick with what I have. And sure enough, I got someone to buy it, so I went and bought myself a MacBook Air and picked up pizza for the kids on the way home.
0: There you go. And still had a couple of bucks left in your pocket, I hope, or that was some expensive pizza. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I, I'm, like you, very happy with the decision, and uh, I don't see myself uh, switching to a, a, a bigger computer anytime soon. I'm really happy with this 13-inch.
0: Um, Before we talk about desktops, the the one thing that I did want to talk a little bit about laptops is there are ways that you can make your laptop into a more desktop-like experience if you do want to have the best of both worlds, which I, I think I've set up for myself because I've been using a laptop only for a while Um, you know, one of the, and it always strikes me when I, I've talked to a lot of people about this, especially in my Apple's user groups. And they look at me and they say, Oh my gosh, I never thought of that. That's a really good idea. And I'm like, gosh, are there really a a, a whole bunch of people who didn't realize you can do this? Um, but every Mac laptop now has a, uh, a a display outport of some kind. Now, of course, half of them use different adapters, but or maybe they're all using the little mini out, but it depends on, on which which version of the laptop you have. But every Mac laptop now has a display out that you can hook to some kind of display, whether it's the Apple Cinema display or whether it's just a fairly inexpensive VGA or DVI display that you buy at Best Buy for a couple of hundred bucks. Um, so you know, picking up a display for a couple hundred bucks, picking up a USB or a wireless keyboard and mouse, and then maybe picking up a, a you know, some kind of riser, you can put your laptop in what they call extended desktop mode so you can mirror the image across two screens. Or you can just close your laptop, and I know um, – I think it's 12 South makes this really cool-looking arc that you can slide your laptop in and just have it sitting on your desk with the ports exposed – and you can have a desktop like experience for I would say depending, you know, on how much money you wanted to spend and the type of setup you wanted, probably less than two hundred and fifty or three hundred bucks, assuming you didn't have any of the pieces already.
1: Yeah, and then you've got the advantage of having everything in one computer. I mean, one of the problems of having an iMac plus a MacBook is you have to keep things in sync and right. it's a lot easier now than it used to be, but it is kind of a pain.
0: Right. I mean if you were to look at my desk right now, I've got my MacBook Air on one of these older Griffin iCurve stands with a 24-inch Apple Cinema display. Um and then a whole bunch of peripherals just plugged into this uh Belkin USB port that's silver to match the display and I I plug in three cables when I come home. I plug in a power cable, a USB cable and the display cable, all of which come out of the, you know, in Apple's case they built it all into this one, you know, Cinema display. So I can even keep my adapter in my bag, or you can buy an extra adapter, which I kind of recommend doing if you're going to go with a setup like this. Um, and it's done.
1: The other thing is I noticed because I've got the SSD on the laptop that on my iMac, I'm, go- I, uh, I'm frustrated it's too slow. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I've got the old...
0: And it probably has a significantly faster
1: processor. Yeah, well, it's, it? not, it's a couple of years old, so I don't know how much faster it is. I don't even know how fast it is offhand. Uh, but the... Uh, the, you know, it's got the, uh, it doesn't have the SSD drive, and you really feel it when you sit down at the iMac. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, maybe we should go on to our next sponsor before we move on to the desktops.
0: Yeah, let's talk about 1Password. Uh, we should probably also congratulate 1Password because they also won an Eddie from Macworld Magazine. So congratulations to 1Password. Um, but we, we had an event happen this past week or so that really brings the importance of using 1Password to light.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Gawker Media fiasco.
0: Fiasco is the right word.
1: Yeah. The, I actually wrote this up to Max Barkey. Uh, the, uh They got hacked, and a bunch of their user accounts in particular got hacked and put out on the Internet. So if you have a Lifehacker or some of their other products, uh, if you go there and have an account to leave comments, uh, your password is known. Your username and password is known, so they sent out an email to everyone asking that you go on and go ahead and get those things fixed. you know switch them over
0: but one of the big problems though is that you would not believe how many people are using the same logins and the same password because most of the time you log into your email address across multiple sites and there i 've actually seen a number of posts where people were analyzing um, the most commonly used password the most commonly used password is one, two, three, four five. And then second across the Gawker accounts was password.
1: Yeah, the other the other big one was qwerty. Yeah,
0: yeah. I saw monkey was in there somewhere. Yeah,
1: but so anyway. the bottom line is, uh, if you were using one password right, which creates a different password for every website, you wouldn't have to worry about anything but your your particular Gawker sites. But also um, because of the way one password works, you could go through and see all the sites that you have with a, cer- a certain password if one gets compromised, which I think yeah. is the one.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. The 1Password desktop application does have the ability to search by password.
1: Yeah, so you could go – if you, if, you, if a password gets compromised, you can find all the sites that use that, and you can go fix them on those. Um, you know, I was talking – I'm going to do something at Macworld this year at the Omni booth, and um, Merlin Mann is kind of coordinating. And him and I were talking on the phone about this, and he had a great tip I'll pass along to the users. Uh, he has 1Password create a random string for his username on his various accounts as well. Uh, huh. And uh, well, you know he's kind of an internet rock star and all that, right? But the uh, yeah, that's true. But that way, you've got a random username and a random password, and I thought that was a pretty good tip. I think I am going to start doing that.
0: Right, um, and you were also saying, David, that maybe not. On every site, but on, on many sites, you go through and you, because the password's randomly generated, you go through and you update that a couple times a year.
1: Yes, I the, I do it with the clock changes, you know, because the clocks change twice a year. So whenever the weekend is that we lose or gain an hour, on my most important sites, I don't do it on all of them because I have probably hundreds of them. But like the bank sites and the Mac Sparky sites and the Dropbox and the stuff that's really mission critical – I go through twice a year and just have one password generate new passwords for all of those.
0: Good tip. So, one um, password you can uh, find it on their website, onepassword.com. Or if you go through our website, you can uh, get a discount on twenty percent off the desktop versions. One uh, Password is everywhere. It's available for a license for Mac for thirty nine ninety nine. A family license, good for up to five users, is available for sixty nine ninety five. They also have a version for the iPhone or the iPad, which are $9.99 if you want the individual license. Or if you want a hybrid app that works on both, it's $14.99. So go get 1Password and get safe, especially if you have any Gawker Media accounts. You need to get that taken
1: care of. And thank you to OnePassword for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, so let's talk about the desktops. Um, the favorite, one of my favorites, again, is the low-end Mac Mini, the one that nobody seems to want to buy.
0: You know, the Mac Mini has brought in so many people to the Mac. Did you know I was talking to Don McAllister, and he was saying that he is a Mac user because of the Mac Mini.
1: That makes sense, because it's not too expensive. The lowest-end one is $700. Well,
0: at the time he did it, I think it was 400 or $500. Yeah.
1: But- yeah. But, you know, it's a good thing. You know, you want to get into it. You've already got a monitor. You've already got a keyboard and you want a Mac. And, you know, frankly, for a lot of people, the Mac Mini, it's like the it's like the low-end MacBook. It's, it's all you need. And it's pretty, you know, it does the job. I mean, when you think about it, a Mac Pro, which is, you know, the high-end Mac thing, you know, it's got all these fans inside of it. It takes up all the space. Mac Mini doesn't have any of those problems. You know, it's very small. It disappears. It uh, doesn't make any noise. And for the standard usage, once again, you know, just basic iPhoto, iMovie, uh, email and documents, it's going to be plenty computer.
0: Yeah, especially with this most recent update to the Mac Mini. They didn't bump the processor speeds as much as I would have liked to have seen them. In fact, I'm not sure they bumped them much at all. Um, But the new form factor for the Mac Mini is quite striking um and they've also made it significantly easier to upgrade the RAM on a Mac mini. I wish they had made it easier to upgrade a hard drive. That's still quite difficult. Um, but it used to be minor brain surgery to upgrade the me- the memory on a Mac mini and that's gotten a lot easier. Yeah,
1: you used to need like a spatula and all. That. It was just two spatulas. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, so it's it's easier to get into it. You can get into the bottom now. But Uh, I think the Mac mini is a great option and they have some particular units. They have the basic Mac mini, which is, you know, your computer, but they also have a Mac mini with a snow leopard server built into it, which is really intriguing for like a small office or perhaps a family.
0: You know, how many small offices are, you know, either out there not running very efficiently or out there running on, you know, several thousand dollar servers when all they really need is this little 999 box you know i mean i'm just thinking about how much money we have invested at our servers in the office servers multiple of them and i'm sitting here going gosh i i really think our office might be able to get by on a mac mini or two
1: i have the same experience my office we bought this server a few years ago i think it was like you know 15 grand or some crazy yeah, amount it was money. pretty bad and and when you turn it on it's so loud it it, it sounds like it's yeah. going to like take off and go bomb berlin you know i mean it's it's. I, I don't know what how many fans are in this thing, but it, it, I think if you put wings on it, it could get flight. And
0: I've been working in the server room this week because it's been so cold down in Florida. Yeah, yeah, it's a good twenty degrees warmer in there.
1: Yeah. Well, the uh, so you get one of these little servers, and I'm sure they've got them, you know, for Unix and some other stuff. But but Apple's solution, I think, is very elegant. And when you think about it, you know, nine ninety nine is how much it costs. That's how much they used to charge just for the software. I guess it was five hundred dollars for Snow Leopard software. Now that I think about it, but right. still, you know, nine ninety nine. You're in. You have the server, and you have the server software. You're ready to go.
0: Yeah, I, I think the Mac Mini is is overlooked quite a bit. Um, it's a great entry level introduction to the Mac. Uh, we recently bought my grandfather a Mac Mini because, like you said, he was he was shifting over from the PC. He already had the monitor. He already had the keyboard. He already had the mouse. And it was an inexpensive investment that got him over. You know, the problem with this PC, it was constantly needing updating. It was constant virus needing updating. It was constant anti-spyware needing updating. It was constant Windows updates. It was it was all of this. It was all of that. And we just got him a Mac Mini, and it takes care of itself.
1: Yeah. And so the difference between the Mac Mini and the iMac is primarily, I mean, you get this big, beautiful monitor.
0: Right now, that is the one thing I'll say. I mean, if you are starting from scratch and if you are going to be buying a monitor and a keyboard and a mouse and all of this stuff, it's not that much more expensive now to go up to an iMac. So
1: well, they start at twelve hundred bucks, so that's that's a bit more than seven hundred, but it is a really nice screen and beautiful. Uh, there are some additional features. The, the iMac series usually, generally, has uh, some faster processor options and you know better graphics cards. You know, there's just more room in there. Uh, Yeah, it's
0: going to be significantly faster than a Mac Mini.
1: I'm looking right now at the low-end iMac as a 3 gigahertz core i3 processor. So that's a a good computer.
0: It's a significant upgrade from a Mac Mini. I think a Mac Mini is a good switcher computer to someone who's not quite sure they want to make an investment in a Mac. Now, if you've got someone who's sure they want to go, you know, whole hawk into the Mac system, then I would say don't hesitate, you know, an iMac may be the way to go, but if they're going, yeah, yeah, I don't know, then, you know, maybe you just swap out their CPU with a Mac mini.
1: Yeah. And the other thing about the iMac, one of the digs against the iMac is that, you know, everything is integrated. So like when the, you get problem. you get done with the Candy. computer, you may have a perfectly working monitor, but you're done with the computer. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, right. Or Or just the opposite. What if the monitor, the screen goes bad? on you you know but everything else works generally on a on a normal computer you just go buy a new screen which is you know a couple hundred dollars um the iMac you're going to have to tear it apart if you don't if you're not under warranty it's not worth yeah. it
0: yeah unfortunately that is the problem with the iMacs is that it's when you're upgrading you you are upgrading everything you know we bought my dad an iMac but that's the good thing is that these are these are fairly reliable machines um they're big enough now i i did have some concerns about the iMacs a while ago because they were essentially you know, laptop gut parts in a, you know, in a kind of a, a smaller form factor body. But I think they're, they've been around and time tested enough that they've got pretty good lifespan to them, man, changing a hard drive on one of these is not fun.
1: Actually doing anything to an iMac except adding memory is, uh, not fun is is probably, it's probably going to void your Apple care warranty. It will. And it's, uh, it's not easy. So that's another thing. When you buy an iMac, get it loaded out the way you want. They have a really interesting option with the new iMacs where you can get two drives and you can have them put a 256-gigabyte solid-state drive and a um, traditional spinning uh, drive. It's, it's not cheap, though. To get a one-terabyte drive plus a 256 solid-state drive is
0: $750. Now, the iMac line is is one where you really have to think about, okay, I know I want an IMAC, but which version of the IMAC do I want? Because it's it's harder to delineate between these two lines because there's not much there's not a tremendous price difference between the lines. So you really gotta go, Okay, do I want the twenty-one point five inch display? Do I want the twenty seven inch display? And for some people that decision's made. I mean, some people walk up to that twenty seven inch display and say, I gotta have this. And then some people walk up to that 27 inch display and say it's just too overwhelmingly big I can't deal with this
1: yeah in my mind there's no doubt whenever uh, when I when it's time to swap out this iMac I'm getting the 27 inch yeah. I love all that screen the more screen real estate the better
0: I think you have to sit back from it a little more than you would normally yeah. because it is so large um, and then the question is you know which model um, I personally tend to think that if you aren't the kind of person who needs the maxed out, all the power you can get, I think the sweet spot of this line is in the middle. You know, depending on which dis- which size display you want, either the high-end 21-inch or the low-end 27-inch.
1: Agreed. You know, another interesting thing about the iMac is they used to be kind of the um, – they used to be, you know – significantly underpowered in comparison to the power Mac or the what's now the Mac pro. I don't think that's true anymore. I think you can do no. some real high end stuff on these. I mean, the, the upper end iMac now is uh core i five and it's got plenty of memory and it's got a high end graphics card in there. I think, uh, for a lot of things that you used to only be able to do on a Mac pro, uh, you can easily get away with now on a, on a, on a more, uh, high end iMac.
0: Yeah, I think, um, and for a while there before the Mac Pros were updated the high end iMacs were actually faster than some of the low end Mac
1: Pros. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Well, we're kind of it seems like we're moving into the Mac Pro, so let's talk about that one for a bit. Uh it's $2500. A Mac Pro is what looks like a traditional computer to someone from outside the, you know, the Apple family. It's got a tower um And it's very expandable. You know, you can open it up. If you look inside of it, it's it's the most well-put-together tower computer I've ever seen. I mean, I just, it's beautiful. I just can't get over. I mean, if you look in most uh, tower computers, there's like spaghetti in there. There's wires everywhere, and you got to dig around. And I've done plenty of work on computers over the years. It's always a pain to, you know, try and just get in there to, you know, where is a power plug? Everything is laid out in an, in a Mac Pro. It's beautiful. <laughs> you get in there, and adding extra drives, I think you put up to four hard drives in it. Mm-hmm. And you can change your memory out. I mean, it's it's the exact opposite of uh the macbook airs and mac minis we're talking about where you can't expand anything in the mac pro you can do just about everything yourself
0: um i don't know that you're swapping out processors yeah i was just thinking as
1: i said that that's the one limitation you really need to get the processor when you get it but so they've got a bunch of different um loadouts for them they got up to a 12 core one now if you want to spend five thousand dollars and you know I think the thing with the Mac Pros is before you pull the trigger on one make sure you really need it because uh, you don't get a monitor with it you know with an iMac for $1,200 you have the computer and you have the screen with a Mac Pro for $2,500 you're in but you still have to go get a screen and um, so you know make sure that's what you really need I mean if you're going to make the next avatar then by all means get yourself a fully loaded Mac Pro and go to town but Uh, for a lot of people, it's it's overkill.
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who have already decided in their head, I don't care what it is, I need the top of the line. And I'm not so sure that's the case. There are very few people I recommend buy a Mac Pro. Yeah, the You know, I was talking to uh, Victor Caillou, and he was even saying that he's pretty sure his next machine's going to be an iMac. And he's been a Mac Pro guy for a while now.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I remember Victor, his last computer he bought was an iMac, and then he had a whole bunch of problems with it, so he ended up getting a Mac Pro. But uh, that's, the Mac Pro is the one Mac that I have never had any interest in buying for myself.
0: Yeah. I agree. So who is the Mac Pro for? I think, it's, I think it's for someone who's doing high-end video editing. This is someone who is not using iPhoto. This is probably not someone who's using Final Cut Express. It's probably only for someone who's using Final Cut. This probably isn't someone who's editing their family movies on it. I mean...
1: Yeah. Someone, a professional photographer who does a lot of uh, post-processing, although I think you could get away with that on an iMac just fine. I mean,
0: if you're using a Mac Pro, you're probably someone who makes money with your
1: Mac. Yeah. Yeah, creative professional. I i don't know. There, There's a lot of people you can make the case for. Like, if you do anything where you have to stop and wait for the processor... You're gonna to have to stop and wait less uh when you're using the Mac Pro because it's faster. I mean, like Don McAllister is a good example. He does a lot of video on his screencasts online. And he, he puts that video out in like five or six different formats for different people. So he has It's
0: also his full time job. Yeah,
1: and so he likes the Mac Pro because it gets that job done faster. He could get away with that on a Mac on an iMac. It may mean he has to, you know, be away from the computer for an extra hour to let it get it done, and if he's making money, that's not necessarily a good thing.
0: Mac uh, Don actually has two Mac Pro's well, rated together, by the way.
1: As of now, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it may be three right now. I haven't talked to him lately. So, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So there, there is a definite use case scenario for it. But for a lot of people, I think um, uh, the initial urge to buy the fastest and biggest and most expensive isn't really going to necessarily suit you on a Mac Pro because I, I look at my computer. I do a lot of writing on my computer. You know how often the computer just sits there and waits for me to decide what the next word is? I mean, it's the, that's yeah. the case much more often than I'm sitting there waiting for the computer to do something for me. So it's all good. And that's one of the reasons why I, I'm so happy with the MacBook Air, because I don't put a lot of uh, pressure on that computer. I do a lot of video, home video and stuff, and I find the iMac just fine for that.
0: The, the one thing I will say, though, about the MacBook Pro, or, or excuse Mac, me, the Mac yeah. Pro, um, is that they probably do have a longer shelf life than an iMac. You know, if you're the kind of person who's maybe going to keep that computer longer than three to four years, if you're trying to stretch this out as long as possible and just replace out components, or, you know, you can put USB 3.0 now in a Mac Pro. You know, it's fully upgradable. You can put the latest graphic cards. If you are truly the highest-end gamer and you, that's what you do and that's what you want, then yeah, you are probably going to need a Mac Pro, and I know there are people who fit that bill.
1: Well, you know some advice.
0: So I guess it, I guess it is not fair to say that it's for people primarily who make money with their Mac.
1: Well, that's an interesting question because I kind of disagree. I I have gamers come to me or write to me and say, you know, which Mac should I get? I want to get the best gaming machine possible. And I my advice to those people is get a PC because if you really are into it for the gaming. Uh, the you know there's a lot more games on the PC. Uh, the prices are cheaper to set up a gaming PC than to to fully load a Mac Pro, and you know you're. I just don't think you're going to be really happy. I think if you really want to be just an intense gamer, get yourself a fully loaded PC and just go with that. I mean, well, part of the thing is when people ask you advice, is be honest with them because not everybody necessarily needs a Mac. And if you're into it for games, um, the Mac's really probably not the right platform for you.
0: Get yourself a PC for games, and get yourself a Mac Mini for everything else.
1: Or what I say is, get yourself I'm a KVM, get yourself an iMac, and then go buy an Xbox if you want to play games.
0: That's probably better.
1: Um, we've got in the outline the xserve and that's kind of an interesting one because it's um it's no longer Dine. being supported or i guess they it's through january they're going to be selling it which is kind of funny because in the book i spent all this time researching Xserves, and i went to somebody's office that was using one and i you know because i wanted to cover all the different macs and now of course it's all obsolete about the time the book releases <laughs> but uh you know the xserve was apple's kind of server solution and it's a very particular needed thing and I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. I think a lot of um IT people are not real happy about Apple dropping it because this thing fit right into a rack and it was really good for that kind of stuff. And now Apple's solution is if you go to their website is, say buy a Mac Pro, they have an, a server version of the Mac Pro. So uh it's there and but not for long. So if you're interested in a rack mounted um server, uh better go get you know, it. You better go get it now. Um, so what are the common pitfalls when you're making decisions or giving people recommendations about which Mac to buy?
0: Um, I think if you're helping somebody else buy a Mac, one of the common pitfalls is you tend to think about what Mac you want instead of what Mac they need. So I would say, be very careful about that. I think one of the common pitfalls I see is a lot of people tend to overbuy. Um, you know, everybody thinks that they're going to use their Mac. You know, I asked everybody, I said, you know, I was asking this guy who is using a, um, a 12-inch iBook G4. So it, this machine has obviously been around for a while, and he's he's looking to replace it. And I said, well, what do you use your computer for right now? And he said, oh, I, I use it for um, uh, video and high-end photography. I said, no, you don't. I mean the kind of things that he's do and I said well I think I said, and are you happy with the kind of performance that you're getting from your current machine? Yes. <laughs> I said, okay, well then no you aren't using it for high end video and high end photography. Yeah. So you have to really, you know, dig into um, you know to what they're what they're doing because, you know, this guy who's replacing what's probably a six year old iBook or, or maybe more, you know, is gonna be happy with anything in the current lineup if he's happy with his current iBook. I mean, I think the only reason he's replacing is because the keyboard's falling apart or something. But, um, you know, so really take into mind, you know, what they're using. If they say I'm going to do video and if they say I'm going to do photography, well, dig into that a little more. Are you going to do iPhoto? Are you going to do Aperture? Are you going to do iMovie? Are you going to do Final Cut Express? Are you going to do Final Cut Pro? I mean, there are all kinds of, of, of everything in between. And if you're staying in the iLife realm, you know, staying in the MacBook, the Mac Mini, or the low-end iMac realm is still going to be perfectly acceptable. Um, you know, if you're talking to someone who's like a Dom McAllister or something like that, then then yeah, they probably need to go high-end MacBook or or our high-end high-end MacBook and then high-end iMac or or Mac Pro time. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of people overbuy. But I think
1: the context you're talking about is exactly how you do it. You talk about what they do, don't talk about gigahertz and RAM and everything. Just say, well, what what are you going to do with the computer? And how long are you going to keep it? And uh, then you can make a decision there. I, I like to overbuy a little bit because, like I say, I, I'm hoping to still be using it in three years. And I want to make sure that I don't, you know, I'm not suffering for that. But I'm also pretty realistic. I'm a nerd. And in three years, I'm going to want a new computer anyway, you know, just naturally. So uh, it all works out for me uh, with, with those types of discussions but what i always ask people is you know what are you going to do with it and then because the apple line is so limited i mean there's only a, a few options once you decide what screen size you want or if you want to say i want a desktop computer with, with a big screen or a little screen and then from there there's just a couple decisions to make so it's not that difficult um the other thing oh go ahead. Well, that's it go ahead
0: oh i was just going to say you know the other thing is I've had a lot of people tell me, uh, you know, getting into screen size and talking about screen size, you know, my eyes are bad, I can't do anything less than a 17-inch screen or I can't do anything less than a 15-inch screen. Take them to the Apple store and because screen technology has has changed tremendously in the last couple of years and these Apple screens are gorgeous and you can tweak a lot of settings. Actually have them lay eyes on the screens and look at them. Before you make that determination that you're limiting yourself to this or that because of something.
1: Yeah, and a small screen, a small IMAX screen now used to be a huge IMAX screen. So, right. so, yeah, take a look at it. Uh, so what do you uh, add to your new Mac? What type of things do you buy?
0: Um, well, I think it depends. I, you know, Apple RAM is not nearly as expensive as it used to be, although I still do check prices. I usually check um, OWC, Mac Sales, and Crucial. and and check prices to see if I'm better off, you know, upgrading it direct from Apple or uh, upgrading it from, you know, one of those third parties. You know, sometimes I don't upgrade it right away. Sometimes I'll go ahead and get the Mac and and wait and upgrade it. Um, You know, the other thing is hard drive. You know, a lot of times, especially if I'm maybe overbuying a little bit, I won't upgrade the hard drive right away, but, you know, know that it's something that I can in the future. But obviously with those caveats that there are some machines, like the iMac and the Mac Mini, that it is very difficult to upgrade a hard drive in, and in those cases, you know, you really need to think ahead and future proof.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny uh, when I help people buy Max. Uh, I don't. It's it's a given that they're going to buy a backup drive. I mean, I oh, yeah. I don't even give them the option. You know, they'll say they'll say, "Do I need the extra RAM?" I say, "Well, it would help." But I said, but you have to buy a backup drive. Well, what do you mean? Well, you have to buy one. <laughs> and uh, I think it's kind of, I think I talked about this on a prior show at some point. It's my fee. Whenever someone asks me to help them buy or help them set up a Mac, uh, I say, that's fine, but you have to have a hard backup hard drive. Because it's so easy to just set up time machine and let it go. And uh, I'm not going to put somebody on a machine without having a backup system in place.
0: Well, and it saves you from getting that call later. Yeah. Think of it as an investment in your future,
1: And and I've had friends that I set up and their life was saved by that hard drive. You know, I mean, because something went wrong and they would have lost all their pictures and all their media and everything. So, you know, just always if if you're out there, I I just suspect a lot of our listeners are the ones at the sharp end of the stick that are out there helping people buy computers. Uh, Just insist on it. Just don't give them an option because uh, that's it's just the, the way to go. I won't say any more about it. Apple Care, though, is an interesting question. Yeah, what about Apple Care? Yeah, um, I don't buy Apple Care until probably about ten months into ownership.
0: You've got an interesting story behind this that we talked about on a future show, but you want to kind of recount your reasons why? Because it, they they kind of make it a, a strong sell, and a lot of people say, "Oh, I always buy Apple Care." And yes, we do recommend Apple Care, but not until
1: later. Yeah, well, the uh, my sister had a, a cat problem spilling water onto her MacBook. <laughs> It was about six months into ownership and about three weeks after she spent the three hundred dollars to put Apple Care on the computer and it voided the Apple Care warranty, obviously. Now, I think Apple had a system in place at least then where you could get a refund for your Apple Care, but I just don't want to mess with that. I, I wait until
0: Well and it's a pro rated refund, I'm yeah, sure. So
1: I just decided just you know, you have a free year of Apple Care when you buy the computer. Just make sure to buy it within that first year. Don't wait too long. But I, I just put in OmniFocus – when I bought my new MacBook Air, I put in OmniFocus in 10 months, buy AppleCare.
0: And and you can also – AppleCare is kind of one of those things. You've got to make sure you buy it from a reputable dealer because there are some Apple scams out there. But AppleCare is one of those things that you can find a little bit cheaper from places other than Apple.
1: Yeah, I'm getting more nervous about that because I'm reading about people who are getting in trouble uh, buying some of these AppleCare Care uh, I don't know if I've ever heard of it happening in Amazon, but I've certainly heard of it happening on eBay. eBay, so,
0: yeah, there are a lot of eBay Apple Care scams out there. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't buy Apple Care from eBay, but
1: yeah. Uh, also, you can get some discounts when you buy a new Mac on software. I know iWork is usually discounted. Um, uh, Mobile Me, you can get a discount if you're a Mobile Me subscriber. But they they sell you that discount on MobileMe Me when you buy anything. When we bought a an iPad for my wife. Uh, we were coming up on a...
0: I think they'll do it with an iPad or an iPhone. I didn't know they'd do it with anything.
1: Oh, I guess you're right. But, you know, we bought up an iPad and we were able to get the discount on Mobile Me through there as well.
0: Me is, though, one of those other things you can buy through Amazon or a third party for a pretty significant discount, yep. too.
1: Uh, peripherals, uh, you don't really need any. It comes with everything you need. Uh, most Macs are...
0: Unless you get the Mac Mini. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but, so, I, I've got a... Um, we've talked about peripherals before, but I like the Magic Trackpad with my iMac. I've, I'm definitely in with that.
0: Yeah, my dad's getting one for Christmas.
1: All right. Well, you have to let me know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have tablets. You can get you know, writing tablets. Uh, you can get it and upgrade your mouse or whatever you want. I mean, there's stuff out there. The bottom line is uh, buy the Mac that's right for the job and maybe a little bit better so you're ready to, as you go into the future. But don't go crazy. And you're going to be happy. Oh, and also check out the Mac Refurb Store.
0: Absolutely. You can get some great deals on the Refurb Store. You can find
1: that by going to the Apple Store on the web.
0: Scrolling all the way down on the left is the special Deals section is what they call it. Yeah, they
1: don't make it real easy to find. But there's always great deals in there. And they have iPods, iPhones.
0: iPads. Did you see they're selling iPads 70 bucks off for Christmas? That's
1: a good deal. Yeah. Uh, I should have uh, checked that out. I have a friend that just bought an iPad. Uh, But refurbished Mac, I mean, you can get the basic white MacBook. Uh, I've seen it in there for under $800. Right. All right. Well, I think we've covered that topic. Yeah. I hope that helps. Let us know what your thoughts are. Sound off in the comments. Give the advice that you give or uh, questions you have. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners have some interesting insight as to all this.
0: Well, let's talk about our last sponsor, and that is the Omni Group. And we're going to talk about OmniFocus for iPad.
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes they make apps for the iPad that are a dim version of what they have on Mac OS X. And sometimes they do something that is almost better than anything they've ever done before. And in Omni's case, I think that's what they did with OmniFocus for iPad. I've always been a big OmniFocus user. I still love it on Mac OS X but they really turned it up a notch with their iPad release. Uh, it's a great application. It allows you to sync easily with all your um, OmniFocus data on your Mac and your on your iPhone. Um, the They've got some features in there that are better implemented on the iPad than they've been done on any other platform. In particular, I would say um, that's true with the review process. I mean, part of the thing about having this big task list is being able to go review to make sure you're not dropping plates to the ground. On the iPad, that is dead simple, and it's just so convenient. I uh, I go uh, every Monday morning to the Pete's Coffee across the street from my office. I get there at 6 a.m., and I, I, I do my weekly review and have a cup of tea, and it's it's a great way to start the week because I know I'm on top of everything, and uh, I'm really thankful to the OmniFocus people for putting that in.
0: Yeah, OmniFocus for iPad was what made me switch from that other product to OmniFocus. It It is really... The, the thing that brought everything together for me, I've got it on my iPad, I've got it on my iPhone, and I've got it all syncing now through mobile me, and it, it works flawlessly.
1: Yeah.
0: Now the one thing that I did not like, but they fixed, and we're going to talk about that, is that it was a little hard to send you know I constantly get things in my email that I have to do, and I'm processing a lot of email now. We talked about this in our iPad workflow show, processing a lot of email on my iPad, and it was kind of kludgy to get stuff from the iPad into my Omnifocus on the iPad. But you've got a fix for that now, David.
1: Yeah. uh, OmniFocus came out with a new service. It's called Send to OmniFocus. And there's a uh, link to it at Max Barkey explaining how you do it. But basically, it's just an email address, send-to-omnifocus at omnigroup.com. Any email that comes into you, you just forward it to that address. And then uh, OmniFocus or the OmniGroup replies that email back to you within seconds. And it's got a formatted, basically OmniFocus task in there with a simple button. You click it, and whether you're on your iPad or your iPhone or on your Mac, it opens up OmniFocus and adds that to your inbox. It adds that email, and it takes the subject line and makes that the task, and it takes the content and drops it into the contents. So you could be sitting at your PC at work. You could be sitting at your iPad or anything and take any email, just forward it to that address, and it comes back. As a manageable task, you just press the button and it's all done for you. You don't have to do any, um, you know, copying and pasting and any of these other incantations that are so difficult. It's just magic. Yeah, it's great. And I know they're working on this problem with some other solutions, too. I mean, uh, the Omni group is like Apple. They don't sit still and they're doing a lot of interesting things. They've got cooked up for uh, future versions of OmniFocus and I know they're going to solve these problems because the fact is those guys at OmniGroup, they use what they build and they have the same problem we do and they're always making it better. So I'd like to thank okay, the awesome. OmniGroup for supporting us. Uh, you can get OmniFocus for iPad for $40 mm-hmm. at the, uh, the iOS store and it sounds like a lot of money when you're used to paying 99 cents for games and stuff, but it, this app really I think is worth every penny. It uh, it pays for itself every day in my case. And uh you know, I think back how much it used to cost to buy applications for like the Palm. I used to pay like 35 mm-hmm. bucks. I remember once paying $35 for an app that all it did was fix the the duplicates that the the Palm OS kept creating. I mean, it was just fixing a defect and I was paying 35 bucks and happy to do so. I mean, OmniFocus is a great app, but I think it's t- totally worth the money. Uh, interestingly, OmniFocus is one of the only companies I know that offers a full refund policy, even on their iPad apps. If you buy an iPad app and you're not happy with it and you write them, they'll refund your money.
0: So thank you, Omni, for your support of the show.
1: Okay. So uh, and we didn't have that much feedback from the last episode because we were talking with Paul about, about Macworld and some of his um, – some of his workflows. We
0: did such a good
1: job. Yeah. It was fun too.
0: I'm really excited about Macworld. Me. It's getting close. Yeah, me
1: too. I've got a lot of plans this year. I mean, it's very exciting for me. It's, uh, I have a book, so I get to do stuff for that. I'm going to be talking at the conference. I'm going to, you and I get to do a show on the floor again, which was a, a thrill for me and uh i'm going to do some stuff with the omni group i'm going to i'm going to do my power omni focus session there so if you want to figure out how i use omni focus.
0: oh i need tickets
1: yeah. <laughs> so we haven't even figured out when we're going to do that one yet but so i'm going to be doing a lot of stuff at this year and i'm really looking forward to making new friends and and going and hanging out
0: Well, there is a link on the uh, MacPower Users website at MacPowerUsers.com. If you click on the – I think it's on the left-hand sidebar. There's a little blue box that says we're speaking at Macworld or I'm speaking at Macworld or something like that. And if you click at that, it will take you to a post that I think, David, we're going to try to keep updated um, with all the things that we're doing at Macworld. I've got the things that I know of so far, like our sessions um, and our podcast session, but if we will, we'll try to keep that updated as we get closer so you can figure out where all that good yeah. stuff is going
1: And on. definitely come see us. If you're a Mac world and you're a fan, we love meeting people, listen to the show. i like to hear what you have to say.
0: Yes, I have buttons. Yeah, we're going to
1: give away buttons this year. So come see us and we'll have some other stuff. We're working on making our, our, our show floor, um, session going to be a lot of fun where we're going to be able to give away some stuff. So come so. see us. Yeah but we did hear from Andrew who had asked me to follow up on the encoding preferences for handbrake on the iTunes show. I talked about how I sometimes rip video and uh, he was asking me which encoding settings I use. Uh, I like to use the Apple universal and handbrake has a setting called Apple universal that they added, uh, I think within the last year in one of the updates and that one just kind of hits the basics. It covers the Apple TV and it covers the iPhone the iPod touch and the iPad. So if you rip something to that, that standard it works on all of them. I'm not sure it's necessarily optimized for any one of them, but in my case, I just like it to work everywhere. Sounds easy. How huh? do you do that?
0: Um, actually, I just do most of them with an iTunes.
1: Okay, well, that works too. Mm-hmm. That works too. Um, so
0: or or if I've got stuff in iMovie, I just export it so in a in a compatible format. Yeah,
1: that would work too. Well, uh, so how do you find us, Katie?
0: Well, like I said, the best place to find us is on our website. You can do that at www.macpowerusers.com. But I've also created a Facebook page. We're at Facebook dot com slash MacPowerusers. Yeah. It's very cool. I'm Facebook wondering page.
1: if I'm gonna to have to go back in and join Facebook or not.
0: You might. Yeah. We have a few friends. Won't you be our friend? Yeah,
1: I, I was looking at that page, and you did a great job with it. And it's really nice to see everybody uh, chiming in and seeing what people have to say. So maybe I'm going to have to just bite the bullet and go back into Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you can also reach us on our Google Voice number at 706-457-6937 or 70645-POWER.
0: We've also got email. You can email us at feedback at com. Uh, or we're on Twitter, twitter.com slash MacPowerUsers.
1: Or I'm at
0: Katie Floyd.
1: And I'm at Mac Sparky. All right.
0: Uh, we love iTunes comments, so if you get a chance, drop on by in iTunes and write us a comment. And if you're looking for a way to spend some of that Christmas cash, we do have a store at Cafe Press. You can find a link to that on our website and get all kinds of Mac Power Users gear there. You can wear it to Macworld.
1: Yeah, we have to do something for Darren Rolf. He made the best logo for Mac Power Users. It's very yeah. cool logo. Uh, he's a Macwingnut.com If he's still running that site, I don't know. We're going to have to get some links for Darren. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors for supporting the show, uh, smile software, one password and the Omni group. Uh, they help make this possible and we appreciate their support. And the next show is going to be all about the book.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this. I think I'm going to get to interview you for a change.
1: Yeah, I'm going to talk about uh, how this happened. You know, so I've got the book that's coming out. It's already available on Kindle. So I, I heard from the first person who read it uh, just recently, which was really good.
0: Oh, you can actually buy it right now on. Yeah,
1: Kindle? Yeah, you know, I don't know how it all works, but you know, the publishing I'm industry go is still it. a mystery to me, to be honest with you. But uh, so you can buy it on Kindle, but it actually is not going to be the hardcover is not going to come out until. Um, Uh, January. And then it'll be on the iBook store in January as well. So, and the iBook version looks awesome. I just got it. And it's kind of funny and I don't want to talk too much because we're going to cover this in the next show. But you know, when you finish these projects, you feel like it's just terrible. You know, after you've been working on it so hard, it just feels like it's just complete rubbish. And then I took a month or two off because basically it was in the publisher's hand. And then they sent me this iBook version. I'm reading through it. I'm like, you know, this isn't so bad. It's kind of good. So, uh, it's kind of neat. Uh, But we'll talk all about it, how I got started on that journey and how I got through it. So that'll be fun. Very cool. And we'll be talking about Mac Tips and stuff, how I wrote it too, the the workflows I used. I mean, it's not going to all be about me yakking about publishers.
0: All right. Well, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you for making this year of Mac Power Users such a fun year. Thank you to our sponsors uh, for allowing this great year of Mac Power Users to happen. And uh, we'll talk to you all next year.
1: I agree. Thank you, everybody. It's been a joy, and uh, have a great new year, and we look forward to bringing you even more content in two thousand eleven.